for listening to the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm your host, Fleur Lonsdale, and if you're looking to create incredible courage, resilience, and unshakable belief in yourself, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, I'll be interviewing incredible adventurers, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig deep into the strategies and tools they use to create unwavering courage and belief so that you can learn how to never give up on your goals and achieve the life of your dreams. Today, I get the pleasure of talking to Alexa Hohenberg, who is the founder of Still Stoked. Still Stoked's mission is to tell the strong female-inspired stories which we wish that we were available to have when we were younger, and really challenging the status quo of women in the outdoors and the wider society. She set up Still Stoked, which you can find at stillstoked.com. The YouTube channel is called Still Stoked, and you can also find her on Instagram at Still Stoked. And we get to listen to her story from being a professional snowboarder, a snowboard mountain guide, a surfer, and generally all-round badass woman. So I hope that you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did because it's super fun and we get to hear so many cool stories from Alexa today. Lexi, I can call you Lexi, hey. Lexi's good? You can call me Lexi, yeah. Lexi's great. Lexi's good? Sweet. So welcome, Lexi, to the um, She's Unshakable podcast. I'm super excited to have you with us today. I can't wait for you to share your story with our listeners and so they can hear from you and everything that you've learned because your journey is super cool and super inspiring. So I'm really excited for you to share with everyone what you've been through and your whole life and, and me too. So first off, I'd love for you to just share with the audience a little bit about you and where you've come from. What's your story? Thanks, Um So my name's Alexa. I am the founder of the website for women called Still Stoked. Um, and I established that in 2008 as a little passion project. And concurrently to that, I've always been a snowboarder. I used to compete um, when I was younger. I made one of the first women's snowboard movies in 2004, released it in 2005. Um, That was in response to there just being no women's content out there at all. And about four or five years ago, I quit my career in advertising and I was spending a lot more time in Alaska and I decided that I wanted to retrain to be a heli guide in Alaska um, and ski and snowboard the amazing stuff amazing mountains that um I just fell in love with so yeah uh, that's kind of what I'm up to and I'm a surfer as well which is another beautiful thing to do with your spare time if you have any (laughs) all round badass really hey sounds though try try. badass woman over here um cool and what got you into um, heli guiding? I mean, that's like always been one of my dreams. I mean, actually, on my vision board, I have got me heli skiing in Alaska, which is so funny. But I don't know if I would go all the way to being a heli guide over there, but it's definitely something that is just insane. Like, what made you decide to go do that? Well, you know what? Like, heli skiing. And Alaska is like the the final frontier. That's like what everyone dreams of. That was my dream since I was about 18. Um, And I didn't do too much actual guiding in Alaska. I tail guided on a week during my training. Um, But I went then to cat ski guide because what I found, the helicopter is so stressful. And nothing makes people crazy than vacation, a helicopter, and powder (laughs) snow. And you put all of that together and suddenly you've just got absolute lunatics. <laughs> and on top of that, you've got like crazy terrain and really, really like can be really dangerous situations. Yeah. Um, so I kind of opted out of the, of kind of chasing the heli ski dream and being the heli ski guy and went for the more chilled cat skiing, which was a bit of a more leisurely pace. Um, so I've been, I've been guiding in Japan, in Hokkaido, in the north very very cold island um for the last three seasons and that's been super fun and uh, i kind of left i'm leaving the heli skiing for me the per- that's like my personal thing because if you if you turn what you love into a job sometimes there isn't so much to love in it anymore so i've kind of just left 
what I think is the most fun thing in the world, and that's being on top of really, really big, gnarly faces, um, as something that I can enjoy. That's so true. It's so funny how um, where I used to, well, I used to live in Chamonix for quite a few years and I used to ski like every day it was my my big thing I love skiing I love being in the mountains very similar and everyone be like why don't why don't you instruct like why don't you become a ski instructor I was like why would I do that like this is what I love doing on a daily basis I don't want to ruin my days and have to go and teach someone for like eight hours are you kidding when am I gonna have my me time and there's such a different balance with like doing what you love and like working in what you love like it's there's just a very fine line with actually doing doing something that you want to be doing and doing something that is going to stop you actually doing it for yourself totally and I I just didn't want um I didn't want to start resenting snowboarding like if I had to go from the Japan season yeah to the Alaska season and then suddenly it's the end of winter like northern hemisphere winter when does when do I get to do what I love like because you're responsible for people's lives as a guide yeah um and you can't really ski for yourself you know you can't really fall you definitely can't fall you've got to keep you know your eye on everything and you're you're not skiing for yourself so yeah Alaska I didn't go this year and it was an all-time primo season for everybody um (laughs) the last three years have been really tough the winds have blown and the snow's been um pretty bad avalanche so we sat a lot and I didn't really get to ski and it's kind of emotionally traumatic when that happens yeah so I had a year off and of course when you take a year off it's amazing and you miss everything <laughs> um, so I'm pretty excited to go back um hopefully next year and just do lots of ski touring and um hopefully a bit of heli and yeah just get amongst those ginormous mountains when your heart's in your throat and kind of you see what you're made of yeah man I love it love it so good cool so one question I really want to ask um all my interviewees is what's your morning routine like what do you do in the morning you know what I know that having a morning routine is one of the most important and good ways to like set up your day um but mine changes so much um at the moment I'm in Sydney and I've got a pretty good morning routine which involves surfing so this morning um i getting all the girls together and we met at that quarter to six in the morning on the beach and I'd had a really good couple of hours of waves and then nice. yeah, coffee and then start work. But it, it can change between um having, you know, a good glass of water with some lemon in the morning, like straight away I try and do that. Um, having a stretch, move my body, or just grab my wetsuit with my eyes shut and wander down to the beach and, and throw, my, throw myself in the ocean. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's... I, there was a quote by some army general that I read that I always hear. And to win the day, he says, start by making your bed. Yeah, It's like the one task that you can do that is like, yes, you can tick that off. And I definitely did not wake, uh, make my bed this morning. But I like to think that... Um, I like to think that that's a good thing to do. Yeah, I'm the same. I do that every morning as soon as I wake up. Like my morning routine is um, is, is pretty down packed. Like I tend to meditate when I wake up and then I write my journal, do my affirmations, make my bed and then go for a surf. <laughs> so I kind of get a little bit done before before I head out and get my exercise done. But um, I love that. That's cool. You've always got to get in the water. I mean, the, honestly, the best thing, just get your hair wet in the morning makes you feel so good. I love it so much like the best part of living by the ocean I reckon yeah and it you know winter it's really hard to get out of bed and go for those dawn surfs and I was saying this with my girlfriend this morning like it's really good if you have a friend that holds you accountable so when your phone beeps in the morning they says you know I'm leaving now or I'll pick you up in five that you're not like oh I'm gonna just gonna roll over and like make an excuse not to go so I think that's like a really especially in winter when it's cold and dark and you don't really want to put on your wetsuit yeah um but there's you never go for a surf and think god I wish I didn't do that you know you always you always have such a good time and feel so much better and it's the best way to start your day yeah it's the same even at the gym like having a a gym buddy or even just having someone that's 
they might not even be close to you, but they message you and be like, right, are you going? I'm going. <laughs> and then you've just got that accountability. I think it really helps, especially when, yeah, especially when it's cold and wet outside and you don't want to, you don't want to move. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. So I'd love to know, cause obviously you've quit your, um, full blown career that most people would call it that, um, to, to do still stoked. And like how, when did you decide to, to go full on Still Stoked and what made you make that decision to just go all in? Well, it's been a few years coming, I think. I was full-time working in production companies and ad agencies and then I started coming back to Sydney between um, the snowboard season and about four months of surfing after snowboard season and then doing um, contracts in production, which was really good. So, uh, you know, just taking three, four months of work. And then I got an invitation to sail across the Pacific Ocean on um, my friend's boat. They bought a boat in in Croatia and they needed to get it back to Australia. And um, the boat's called Finding Avalon. They've got a YouTube channel, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, sure, I've wanted, to, I've wanted to sail across a large expanse of ocean for a while. So I jumped on the boat in Panama and sailed for three months across the Pacific Ocean all the way to Tahiti. And during that time, I read so many books. I read Richard Branson's autobiography, which was um, called Losing My Virginity, which was so inspiring. And there's a quote in there which was like, which says, you know, it's only by being bold that you get anywhere in life. And that kind of sat with me for ages. And I've built this beautiful community we're still stoked over the last like 10, 11 years. And I'm at that point where it can continue to be just one person and you know let's call it a blog although a blog just is a regularly updated website or it can be way bigger than one person and the audience and my my community and my friends and everyone saying like Alexa you really you know you've really got to take this to the next step and I think the only way I know the only way to do that was to back myself and go all in. So if I came back to Sydney and, and got another production job, I'm, I'm just writing and doing web stuff in the evening. And then I start to resent it because I want to go surfing in the morning. Now I'm staying up late and I can't get up in the morning. And so I said to myself, right, if, if this is what you want, you've got to, even though it's terrifying, just back yourself and go all in. And I've given myself until December. I said I'd check in in December, which is like, four months of working on it, five months, um, and I'm looking at it like, get up in the morning, what have you got, what, you know, like you would do at work, what are your tasks, what do you need to accomplish today, how can you move this forward, what What does your audience want, what do your audience want, and yeah, it's terrifying, but it's so rewarding, um, so that's kind of been the, the journey so far, and I'm about six weeks into it and launched a whole new site and today just announced um a boat trip that we're doing in the mentaries for women surfers with two coaches yeah so i'm terrified but it's amazing <laughs> it's gonna be so good though like i'm just like looking at it and i'm like yep that's on my list it's on my board so i've got it coming it's good yeah it's gonna be awesome so though it looks like the mentaries just look incredible I've got some friends who've surfed there and they just raving about it have you been before I haven't and I've wanted to and I've always thought god the mentalities is for pros there's no way I'm not good enough to go and my surf coach is like are you kidding there's so many amazing waves that are so good there's the marquee waves obviously that everyone goes there for but there's hundreds of other waves he's been a, a guide there for eight years so he's coaching and guiding on the boat and I'm just so excited to have that world opened up to me and also all of the other girls that come along it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be epic I'm excited for you um cool so obviously when we start something especially like still stoked I mean obviously you've been doing it quite a while now but what kind of challenges have you come across um and difficulties that you've had along the way of of like your vision or just things that you've wanted to be to put in place that haven't quite gone to plan I'd love to know um for our listeners like what what challenges have you faced along the journey it's really interesting because as I, I, traditionally I'm a, a digital strategist, so I've worked in agencies as a strategist and producer. So I've been able to do strategies for you know Google and all of these big brands. But when it comes to doing your own 
project and you're so it's so close to your heart I found it so difficult to map my roadmap and my strategy for my own brand and um that's been a really challenging thing so one thing I've learned to do with that is to really kind of seek mentors um and ask help from other people and that's that was a really like interesting thing to kind of look at and be like right who's done this before and who can help me and who who can I ask their advice and then realize that you're only going to get great or you're only going to build a great product by bringing the right people in and um yeah having having like a little bit of budget to to pay for you know good designers or web developers or a good hosting platform and try not to do everything myself um that's been a huge learning and that's only in in this last two months that when I'm bogged down like designing something I'm like this is going to take me eight hours but it's going to take a professional like an hour and a half how can I how can I move the dial forward and there was a quote um by the the Facebook lady who wrote Lean In I can't remember her name but she has it big above her desk and it says done is better than perfect yeah and that's something that I'm reminding myself over and over like not to get stuck on the small stuff and just move the dial forward, move everything forward and done is better than perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I love that too. I think so many of us get caught up in waiting for that perfect time or to have the perfect job or to have the perfect house or, you know, the perfect um, like day routine and it's just not just not going to happen like if we wait and don't do something we'll just never do it yeah I think like mapping out where you want to go as a roadmap and thinking and breaking it into smaller pieces and thinking what do I have to do to get from step one to step two I'm not worrying about the details so much in step one and what it looks like and is the logo perfect and what about this this curvature of this line or this shade of blue or whatever it is that that's your sticking point just figure it out and move on to the next step and just make sure that you're always moving in the direction of your goals but if you look at your goals as these big things and don't break them into small steps to get there it can seem so overwhelming so that's been something that you know, days I, I sit down and I'm like, I, this is awful. I should just go back to work in production and I can, it's it's all too much. And then there's days that I sit down and I'm so inspired and excited about what I can create and the community that I can build. Um, but it's, it's breaking, you know, when I'm overwhelmed, it's breaking it down and then thinking, right, what's the first step that I've got to do to move to the next step to get the goals? Yeah. And that's something that's really helpful, I think. Cool. Love it. So what's your overall like vision for the future of Still Stoked? What, what do you want to create with it? Oh, you know, when I was younger and I made Snowballs, which was that snowboard movie I mentioned earlier, there were just no women to look up to that were available to me as a young girl wanting to be a professional snowboarder. Yeah. And, you know, it was really hard to find those stories. You'd flip through the magazines and there'd be like tiny stories or a girl in an ad, not even on a snowboard. And I'd have, there was no internet back then. So I'd have to really search through magazines and whatever I could to find these stories. And that was a massive motivator for me to make that film was to bring this community of women together um, to give us something that we could work towards and make a product so the next generation could have or the, you know, the younger girls could have um, like imagery and inspiring footage to, to look to see that it's possible. Because I think it's really hard for young girls to be what you can't see. I know it was really hard for me to think it was possible to be a, fe- a mountain guide, for example, when I'd never met a female mountain guide. Mm-hmm. Um, or wanted to be a female snow- pro snowboarder when... I had no access to them. Yeah. So Still still Stoked was like the evolution of that snowboard movie with the internet when I was able to, to write those stories and put them online and tell the stories of other women and give them a platform to inspire the next generation. So 
they can see that it's possible to be a digital nomad surfer in Indonesia or it's possible to be a traveling yogi that you know hikes mountains in Nepal there's all these stories that are out there and they don't often have a place to go or they don't have a platform to be published on just because there isn't so much the funding or the opportunities for women which is really sad so my vision is to create those platforms and those opportunities and I hope that Still Stoked will evolve into being an encompassing media platform where I can use all my skills in filmmaking and production and start to to tell, you know, what, is it a web series or is it a, a one-hour documentary on these incredible stories that women have and these incredible lives that they're, that they're living that just don't really get to see the light of day so much because there just isn't that, that platform or that funding. That's awesome. I love it. I love it so much. I remember when I was, I taught myself to snowboard, I think when I was about 12 or 13 and I literally just got aboard and I went out on the slopes and there was no like YouTube check out to like work on YouTube or like informational booklets. I just, I literally just strapped this thing to my feet and I was like, right, I've got to get down the mountain somehow or other. And I remember literally not being able to sit down at dinner because I had so many bruises on me that I had to lie down and eat. Like my dad gave me some food and I just had to lie down and eat it because I just couldn't sit on my bum. It was so painful. Um, so good. Yeah, so we good. Built, we built a jump in the garden just because what I had seen was the snowboard videos of people <laughs> jumping and we built this like ice ramp in the garden in, in Morzine where I learned to, to snowboard and just launched ourselves. I think I was like age 12. Just launched, <laughs> our, launched ourselves off this cheese web onto like the flats and then hiked up again and just did it all night under like these floodlights oh that's that was, so yeah. good <laughs> that's how I learned that's so gold that's almost I don't know you might have had even more more of a painful experience than I did I remember it just being horrendous just being like how am I how am I ever gonna get good at this I don't understand <laughs> until I learned how to so put good. the weight on my front foot and then it was like a whole new world I was like oh my goodness this makes so much sense oh so funny yeah um cool so I want to like dig a little bit into your sort of snowboarding um you know like competing and whatnot what like how how did you one decide to get into it and what was like what did you face like how was it when you when you got involved as a woman especially snowboarding for me was you know back in the early 90s it was this rebellious like kind of very cool culty music you know off grungy vibes and I just like I resonated with it so much so well and it's kind of all I wanted to do I found such freedom you know where skiing was like a bit there was lots of rules I remember I didn't ski for very long um but I remember the slalom and had to go around the poles and it just being like kind of boring and then snowboarding was like baggy pants and do whatever you want and <laughs> listen to like Nirvana and Offspring and wear like band t-shirts and I just loved it I, I really just fell in love with it and I, it's amazing that something when I look back at it now I start I first snowboarded when I was 11 and it's amazing that something so simple as standing sideways and going downhill can captivate you at such a young age and be the driving force for everything. Yeah. I remember like getting a paper round and saving all my pennies and then as soon as I could work I was waitressing when I should have been, you know, at school and in the evenings during the week and on weekends when I should have been playing with friends just so I could like save the money to go away in the Easter holidays and then go and ski on the glaciers in the summer and it was just all encompassing um and it's yeah it's amazing looking back at it I have no idea the human I would be if I hadn't discovered snowboarding but it gave me um all of my friendships it taught me resilience it taught me confidence it taught me 
how to hold my own in a male-dominated environment. There were definitely not that many girls back then. Yeah. Um, and then as I kind of graduated into, you know, getting sponsors and wanting to show up at some competitions, it gave me a, a squad of women to do that with. Um, and it was, yeah, it's given me everything. It's it's taught so taught me so many life skills, and I guess that's another motivator as to why I would love to help the next generation discover those role models and discover that that's something that they can do as women. Because it kind of also gave me an identity that wasn't linked to beauty or my body or what what society said was good or not good. It gave me my identity through friendships and travel and fitness and being strong and wanting to like progress and give myself goals and hit them um and that's something that I think is really valuable especially in in the times that we live in nowadays with with Instagram and the Kardashians and all of that rubbish (laughs) (laughs) I'm so with you like I think I mean especially extreme sports there's something about them that one gets you into the flow state where you're not really concentrating on anything else but what you're doing. Um, you know, your brain waves are just in it in a totally different in, sort of encompassment. And um, I don't even know if that's a word. Um, and then it's a good word. It should be <laughs> <laughs> it's a new word. There you go. Um, and yeah, just getting. I mean, for women especially, I think we um, build a little tribe in in New Zealand called Find Your Tribe, where we're getting women outside and trying new things and gaining confidence because I think it's so important for women to actually try new things to, as you said, build up that courage and build that resilience. And when you see someone do something new that they've never done or that they never thought that they could do, like I remember when I was in Chamonix and I used to take a group of girls out and trying to get them to like jump off something and we'd start really small and then get bigger and then when they landed there was just like this huge smile on their faces just like yes I can't believe I did that and it's such a different sort of feeling that you get especially when you're surrounded by women in that in that realm and what you can like what you can give each other in that just it's it's such a good feeling it feels so amazing and I think that the friendships that you create and that you foster doing those sports and having those experiences, they're so rich. Yeah. Like, they're so, such deep and connected friendships. And some of my, my best friends, pretty much all of my really, really good friends have been through surfing or snowboarding or just playing in the outdoors. And um, I think there's a lot to be said for, like, having those really deep meaningful experiences and finding the flow state as you said that that time where you're just thinking of absolutely nothing and you're just so focused yeah it's um yeah it's it's I'm addicted to the flow state I've, I've had a lot of thought of that and I'm addicted to the yeah the flow state and progression I think the moment I I don't feel like I'm progressing in something I get really bored um <laughs> and I kind of just want to always you know that I think that's why I'm loving surfing so much at the moment. Because snowboarding for me, it I'm never going to be as, as good as I was when I was younger. I'm 35 now, so three knee surgeries later and a shoulder reconstruction. I can't Ooh. quite hit the ground to bounce like a bouncy ball. Um, whereas surfing, the progression's really steep for me. And I'm so addicted to that. It's kind of all I want to do. <laughs> it's, it's funny how the sports change a little bit yeah. as you get older. It is funny. Like, I've... I mean, obviously living in the Alps and stuff it was it was so awesome for me to go from skiing one thing and then you know everyone's like oh you need to go ski this cool wall or you need to go ski touring to this part or whatever and it was always something new and exciting and then when we sort of after heading to Canada and doing a couple of years in Revy and Whistler and sort of landing ourselves in New Zealand I was like well now what like what am I going to do now and it's only sort of since being in Bali for a couple of months that I've sort of said to myself, you know what, I'm actually going to try surfing and actually try and get good at surfing and just even just buying a little board and saying, okay, I need to get good enough so that I can get up on some steep waves and, you know, actually ride the wave rather than just being on a sort of mini mountain longboard, which is just, I don't know, a little bit easy, I guess, in my mind. I'm the same. I'm always trying to 
get to the next step and see what I can learn, which is which is really cool. And I think it's actually really important as well to have that that drive and it it builds that resilience as well because you're like I might just get smashed for two hours in big waves but once I get out I've built something inside me that makes me know that next time I can go out for two hours in big waves and I'm not going to die I'm still going to be alive you know yeah totally and I think when you when you felt that feeling of whether it's riding a wave or it's like coming out of a couloir or like a perfectly executed powder turn that <laughs> feeling is something that you're you know exactly what I mean right yeah. about the powder turn so <laughs> yeah you just it, you, yeah it just I love it and once you've had that feeling it's kind of all you want to do and you're curious to create those feelings again and mm-hmm. that keeps you go, put going back and going back and and I think that translates to to work, to business, to life, it kind of keeps you curious and wanting to always like do better than the last time or, or ask better questions or whatever it is, but a progression that you start with something, you get a taste for it and you just want to get better at it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So with your, um, you said you've had three knee reconstructions. Is that from snowboarding accidents? Yeah, and all of them I should have gone faster. <laughs> I would have not have had these injuries if I had gone faster. So speed is your friend. They teach you that <laughs> when you're younger. Um, yeah, I had, uh, I've had lateral meniscus tears. I've been lucky I haven't, um, I haven't damaged my ACL too bad and haven't had to have it reconstructed. But I've had, um, yeah, I've had all my, pretty much all my lateral meniscus out on my left knee and a little bit on my right knee. Um, but I work really hard. I've had yoga in my life since I was 16. And um, I've been practicing yoga for many years now. And uh, through through lots of yoga and keeping my glutes and my core strong, I've been really lucky with my knees and haven't had too much too much trouble since, really. That's awesome. So when, like, your first accident happened, like, some people would turn around and say, you know, what, what are you doing going, like, trying something again when you've really like really hurt yourself like what what gives you the resilience to just go you know what I'm going to get back out there and get back on the horse get back on the snowboard kind of thing and and keep going I think injuries happen for a reason and um a yoga teacher when I was when I was younger said this to me that it's really important to think where your mindset and your head was at when when you had that injury and it gives you an opportunity to sit with it and think about what you can do um, to grow or come back. And during my, my first knee surgery, I it just motivated me to to get stronger and to to be a better snowboarder. And I got to yeah, I got to sit with it for a while and and think about what I wanted and worked pretty hard to, to get back strong. Um, when you have something that you love taken away from you, you realize, you know, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. You realize yeah. how much value it was. And for me, the injuries, um, they really, they they gave me a lot more focus. I had a really bad one um, about four or five years ago uh, where I rolled my ankle pretty bad off a mountain bike. And um, I was in a moon boot. And then I went to Japan snowboarding and I took it out the moon boot and I put it into the snowboard boot and I um, tapped a tree and tore my MCL in my other knee. So then I was in a knee brace and a moon boot. Um, (laughs) And I came back to Australia and they wanted to reconstruct my foot and I had uh, the Alaska heli season. I booked like two weeks of a helicopter, which was you know, maybe $12,000 of, of heli time. Yeah. And um, and I was just, like, they told me I was going to be non-weight-bearing for six months. And I had this this horrible um, realization that if you took snowboarding away from me, who was I? Like, I had this real loss, sense of identity loss. If I wasn't a snowboarder, what was I? And I wrote about it a lot on Still Stoked, which a lot of people still contact me and say, that it, it helped them. It was it's called losing my identity um, if I'm not a snowboarder or something like that. And that was a real turning point for me to realize that um, I'm not just what I do. 
and I'm not as a human not just a snowboarder that as we all have so many different facets to ourselves and our mm. personality and it's important to nurture your other interests and your other facets because if you do put everything in one basket like if all I ever did was snowboarding and I couldn't recover from those injuries it's it's a real I know lots of people go through that that it's they lose what they they love and their sport through an injury um but yeah it's important to foster other things I have a friend who um his name's Ollie Dossett and you can follow him on Instagram he lost his leg in Bali last year he got run over by a cement truck and they amputated his leg below his knee and his mindset has been absolutely incredible to to watch he is surfing big waves again now um he is kayaking he's snowboarding he wants to go to the olympics he said to me this week he was going to train me and help me train he asked me to go climbing all the time his mindset is incredible and he is just an absolute shining beacon that even though you might have an injury and his was you know he lost his leg it's pretty pretty significant change in his life you can still do anything that you set your mind to um Yeah. yeah it's pretty pretty impressive stuff that's awesome um and I really like that actually that you went through that I think so many people don't actually realize that that's a thing and it's definitely something that we do um sort of with with my coaching and I take people through like knowing who they really are because I think it's so important to know who you are deep down inside rather than what you're identifying yourself with whether it's your friends, your family, your career, your house, your car. And I think so yeah. many people get caught up in those material or objects or what they've got or what they've built up for themselves rather than just being like super happy and who they are and what they bring to the world, essentially. I think it's, yeah, I think it's really important. It's really interesting that you said that. Um, would you have any tips for our listeners as to like, what did, how did you... How did you come around that? How did you build yourself up and sort of believe in yourself and see what was coming on? Um, I meditated a lot and I did a lot of yoga, a lot of yoga time, um, and then really looked, tried to change my mindset and stop looking at it as, well, you know, I've I've lost something. I've lost my snowboarding for a, a period of time. Um, and looked at it as I'm gaining something. I'm gaining the time to do other things. Like, what other sacrifices have I made throughout my life because of snowboarding? What what have I not been able to do? What have I not been able to to try? Or what friendships have I not been able to foster? And just by changing my mindset, it changed everything. Um, I was able to not look at it like I've lost snowboarding and I'm losing that part of my identity but I was able to explore you know start painting again start writing again um spending more time with my friends um reading more philosophy um playing music all of the things that always take a back seat because I'm constantly chasing you know some sort of extreme sport and using my body and as I said those I think injuries happen for a reason and the growth comes from really assessing why that happens and what space it now creates in your life um, that you can explore and and nurture and and grow from. Yeah, I'm with you. I love that. I think I definitely, I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason um, and finding out what that reason is in a grateful way is (laughs) something that a lot of us don't do but is so valuable when we do look at it that way as an opportunity rather than a challenge that's put in front of us. So thanks for sharing that. Oh, um, my pleasure. One other thing I would love to know is obviously you're, well, one, a badass. You've done so much stuff in your life already and still it's only early stages. <laughs> that, Thank you. Like, how have you learned to like, believe in yourself as much as you do in, and build that confidence? Is there any tips that you could give to our listeners, any strategies that you use to help you with that? Um, 
That's a, a great question. I I never really think too much about confidence. I guess when I'm feeling like I don't have any, um, like those moments where I say I wake up and I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't do still stoked. It's it's too big a project, and I should just go back to work for somebody else. I kind of just reassess on like you're creating your own life and if you don't back yourself who is who's going to back you if you if you can't believe in yourself um so I I really just try and tell myself that it's all going to be okay and the universe if you pay attention to it is always trying to lead you into things that are going to help you grow and lead you towards what what you want and what's going to be right for you in this point of your life and um just being just trying to stay attuned to what that is um and taking I, I just take the time to sit with my thoughts and let them like you know sit in the uncomfortable situations um and try and figure it out um confidence is when I feel like overwhelmed or not confident in what I'm doing, I just try and break break it down into smaller pieces and and sit with the uncomfort for a while and just know that you know I've, I've got to back myself. If, if I don't back myself, no one else will. So that's something that I'm I'm coming back to all the time at the moment. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's so important as well. Not 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 necessarily just knowing that we have to back ourselves, but actually just getting comfortable with that uncomfortable feeling because it's there and actually when we're given something that's uncomfortable or difficult or challenging it's a good thing because nothing will come to us that we can't handle like we can handle anything that we that we've got but we just have to learn to see it as something good that's coming to us that's going to make us grow and I think backing yourself and just saying you know what actually I can do this and I just need to do it is goes way more like way beyond what I think most people actually think and do as well yeah and I think if you look back or if you look at a lot of case studies of entrepreneurs and and people that have built great things they there was one turning point where they were like I'm gonna have to mortgage my house or I'm gonna leave my job to do it or I'm gonna you know what was that turning point that and they would often if you speak to people they'll often say there was one where they went all in and they backed themselves and it's almost that like that success story would have never happened unless they went all in and when I was on the boat sailing across the Pacific I had this conversation with um Jackson the captain and he said he'd read the, the book of the guy that started Twitter and that was exactly it he was like I'm gonna take my life savings and put it into this idea because I back myself 100%. And Jackson was saying to me, Alexa, you've really, you know, you can go back to work or you can, you've got something there, like back yourself. And it was that conversation. I was like, you know, and I sat with that for for three months staring at the ocean and watching the stars (laughs) come up and the sunrise. And and I was like, "You're, you're right. You know, I could go back to work. But if you're not building your own dream, you're building someone else's. And that's something else that I come back to all the time is that I don't want to build someone else's dream anymore I've got this big vision and so lucky that I've had such an amazing group of of women that it resonates with and helps and if I don't if I don't go all in on that I'll never know what it could have been and that that sits worse with me than the uncomfortable situation of not having the confidence and not believing in myself to to know you know maybe in in 10 years time or whatever to look back and think what if is way worse for me than than like waking up and feeling overwhelmed yeah I'm I'm so with you I think if I was still working in a normal job (laughs) normal job I'd just look back and be like you know what I've been doing this for two years and nothing's changed and I'm still in the same place that I was two years ago rather than just going you know what I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something that makes me happy. I'm going to do something that makes me live the life that I want to live and just do it and don't look back. Don't think of plan B, just think plan A. <laughs> Go plan A. Yeah, absolutely. Put it out into the universe and watch how it comes back to you and all the all the yeah, opportunities and so pay attention to those and say yes and 
and try and figure it out. I think that's that's some good some good advice. I think it's an amazing time that we live in at the moment as well that we are able to do this. Oh my this. god, yeah, so true. Um, and yeah, it's it's our parents couldn't couldn't do this. You know, they they needed the job security and they needed the the mortgage and and now we you know we our generation doesn't. I think I can speak for our generation and say that we don't you know we don't necessarily. Um, need the the material things and we don't want the big shiny car and a lot of us don't don't realize we don't need the seven bedroom house like a tiny home is enough or um you know whatever that whatever that looks like but that's what I'm finding with with my group of friends is that they would rather spend their time creating meaningful relationships and meaningful work as opposed to um, making the man money so they can have a nice car and some nice shoes and a handbag yeah <laughs> yep it's so true there is a definitely a shift with I mean I do think there's different types of people but people who who are quite happy just to live the life that they want to live rather than the life that we are essentially told that we kind of should be living if you know what I mean definitely and there's definitely all sorts of dreamers and all sorts you know different oh, strokes yeah. of different folks and I think it's it's just great that the life the time that we live in now gives you the choice that we didn't have before yeah 100 percent, amazing cool okay I have one more question that I want to ask because it's you (laughs) what's the scariest thing that you've ever done oh good question (laughs) um one thing comes to mind it was on my on my guiding training and um, I did my heli guide training with Heli Ski US um, out of Points North, Alaska, which is a heli operation in Cordova. And the owner, um, Quinna, is a dear friend. And he, I was the only girl, I was the first girl to do the training, and I was the only girl on the course. And I had my cousin and my ex-boyfriend in the helicopter. <laughs> so it wasn't an easy situation that I had put myself in. And Quinn has said to me, Alexa, take the heli, don't take one of the guides or the instructors and go ski Scarsdale. And Scarsdale is a really quite serious line in Alaska. And, um, and he was like, you skied it last year, are you okay? And I'm like, uh-huh. And I skied <laughs> it really bad snow. Um, and so I turned around to the group and I was like, uh get in the helicopter, <laughs> um, we're going to go ski Scarsdale and, and no one say a word. <laughs> so we, we got in the heli and obviously they were like, oh, Alexa, I really think you should do this. And I was like, no, everyone be quiet. <laughs> and we flew, I got I got to sit in, sit in the front seat without, without my trainer next to me, or the, an instru- our instructor who was leading the course, with just the pilot next to me. It's terrifying, all decisions are between me and the pilot now I've got no one to bounce what I need to do off with anybody yeah. and then I've, you know, I've got four men in the background waiting, waiting for my move um, and we fly up, I get, a, I get a look at the line and we, we land the heli on the top of the mountain and we have to traverse, it's a hillside traverse Ooh. over a big slope and we hillside traverse into the into the start of a run you can't actually see the run you have to go through some rocks and it's got exposure cliffs all on one side and it's probably about 45 to 50 degrees steep and not too wide and um and then Quinna comes he's on the bottom of the glacier the photographer's on the glacier everyone's looking up and they're like right Alexa how you feel I'm like "I'm, I'm good I'm good they're like right you can you can guide it safely or you can rip it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to rip it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that with that run, you if you were to guide it safely, you would set the left-hand line um, and say to your clients to not cross your left-hand line because that's cliffs and you would get yeah. everyone to work their way from the left to the right closer to the wall. Yeah. Um, and I knew that obviously everyone in my group were great skiers. They, they know that there's exposure on the left. They're not going to ski off the cliff. Um, so I just skied it, re- like snowboarded. I say ski, sorry, I hang out with lots of skiers. <laughs> I rode it um, and just opened up. And 
I remember starting, you know, a little avalanche, like a slough, where the loose dry snow, because yeah. it's so steep, the loose dry snow um, starts to chase after you. And the real danger is not getting, crossing that snow and and getting tripped up by it. Yeah. So you can either stay ahead of it or you can stop and wait for it to pass. And I remember that split moment where I had disturbed so much snow with a turn that I was just in this little moving puff of avalanche snow and I just, yeah, just opened up my turns. I did two big sweeping turns straight onto the glacier, spat me out and I could just hear everybody um, on the glacier cheering. <laughs> and, <laughs> so I think that then the guys, the guys, you can't see the run from the top because it's so steep that you have a blind rollover into it. Yeah. Um, so I know that all they heard was just screaming and cheering and it was just, I just remember the moment on that run where I had decided when I saw that snow around me that I decided that I was just going to open up and send it. And that was terrifying, but I, I it ended well. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for a moment that it was going to end badly and I was like, oh no, don't say no, it, don't say it. It ended, it ended well and, um, and it, was, it was just a moment that will stay with me forever as when you're given a really tough situation, like go and guide for guys on your group. One of the gnarliest lines, like a really good film line, Alaska, without any help or support, just go do it. And you're like, okay. (laughs) And you do it and you believe in yourself and you back yourself and you ski it really well. I have a photo of it um, that one of the photographers on the glacier took and it's, it's just a moment of absolute joy and happiness for me. That's epic. But I was shit scared. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes the best things come from when you're shit scared, to be fair. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's just a, a joy in life that we get to have when we have those fears. <laughs> it's the, the moment after. Awesome. That was so fun. Um, thank you so much for joining thank us. You. I hope that all the listeners have been able to take something from that, but it's they might some of it might just be a, a bit of a not really understanding what it's about <laughs> but I definitely did which was awesome and I'm sure that the skiers and snowboarders that are listening will as well so thank you so much for jumping on um when that was really fun really fun thank you my absolute pleasure it's been really fun chatting to you If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcast listener and give us a five-star review. Don't forget to join our free Facebook community called She's Unshakable, where we get to share our tips and tricks and experiences with building courage, resilience, and belief in ourselves. I look forward to meeting you in there.